0: I was ashamed of my body. I was ashamed of who I was. And in my mind, I thought that nobody wanted me. She said, I'm gonna dim the lights and you're just gonna look at yourself. You're gonna look deep inside your own eyes. And I had never done that. I had never looked at myself. I had never talked to myself. Only to put myself down. And that day I looked and I found this power. And that day was where everything changed.
1: Welcome to PodHer, the podcast to help you take control of your mental and physical health. We are here to talk about your real-life journey. No hype. Our guest today is honestly an absolute joy to talk to Natalia Narciso is originally from Brazil, she moved to New York when she was 10 years old, and she has a beautiful journey of self-discovery and self-love. Nachi is also the creator of Viva Meu Corpo, a podcast and community that celebrates body diversity and mental health. I wanted to talk to Nachi because I really admire her openness and vulnerability. She shares her truth, and in doing that, she reminds me that that is a strength. So really, get ready to be inspired. I am sure her words will resonate with you. I am so excited for this episode.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a little weird being on the other side. I'm usually on your side as the host. So this is the first time I'm doing this, being on the interviewee side.
1: <laughs> I'll be nice. I promise I won't. I won't torture you.
0: Thanks.
1: (laughs) I feel like I immediately connected with you because I feel like we have so much in common. And not only we have the same name and nationality, but we also went through very similar struggles like uh, emotional eating, weight fluctuation, body dysmorphia, all of that. You started dieting when you were eight years old, I believe. And I also started dieting when I was nine. I was actually put on Weight Watchers So bring us back to that time and talk to me a little bit about that journey.
0: Yeah, of course. So, you know, I think being Brazilian, it's kind of just ingrained in us to just look fabulous at all times, uh, ever since you come out of the womb, unfortunately. And when I was eight years old, my mom figured that maybe I was a little overweight and she decided to take me to a nutritionist. So bear in mind that nutritionists in the 1990s are very different from nutritionists today. Uh, Um, I hope. Yeah. And um, I was eight years old and I I was living in Brazil. And she took me to this lady and I didn't really know what was going on. All I know is that I got there and she showed me this photo album. And it was before and after pictures of kids and adults and before and after pictures of them when they started working with her and then when they uh, achieved their goals. And she said, you see all these people, you see how they change. You're going to be in this album. We're going to get you there. And the day that you get to this number, we're going to go to the balcony here on on my office and we're going to scream out loud and we're going to celebrate this moment. Imagine, I was eight years old. I didn't even know what was going on. And I was a very active child. I've been dancing, jazz since I was three years old. Looking back today, I would look at my pictures and I was like, first off, I was not even an overweight kid. I was always very tall. I'm 5'8", and I've been 5'8", since probably 12 years old. I guess to Brazil standards also, I might have been overweight, That was the first moment where I dieted at eight years old. And since then, I don't remember my life without being on a diet. And I'm 34 years old.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I resonate with that so deeply because I remember being totally unaware of my quote unquote physicality and like around the age of eight, just like you. I was definitely not overweight, but I was very tall. Put on Weight Watchers. I don't even know if that's a thing, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's almost this innocence that's lost. And we never look at our bodies as a vehicle. We look at it as you know something to be looked at from the outside. How did that very beginning affected you, and if you feel affected your body image journey, and where you are today?
0: It's so crazy. There's so much to say. And you talked about Weight Watchers. I've been on Weight Watchers and off my entire life. Mm. And the first time that I went to Weight Watchers, I think it was 12 here in the US already. But my grandma already attended Weight Watchers meetings my entire life. So like even in Brazil. And I remember she had this saying that she still has on her fridge that she keeps. And it says, and I'll say it in Portuguese and I'll translate it. It says, Comida é para nutrir, não para So it says, food is to give you nutrition and you know supplement your body and not to
1: make stuff. you super
0: full, stuff yeah. you, yeah. yeah. And I remember that being in my head ever my entire life. And then as I, you know, I moved to the United States and like my mom used to have those um, those magazines like Boa Falma, all those fitness magazines and they used to have these diets on there like for the entire week and my mom was mm-hmm. like oh let's diet let's do this diet from the magazine and literally like it was me my mom my sister like all of us oh, my yeah. entire life i just felt restricted and it was restricted in a weird sense because it would be we're super strict during the week But during the weekend, you can just kind of go and eat all you want and it's okay. Monday comes along and we'll get back to it.
1: Oh, damn. Yeah, it's always that food is either a punishment or a reward. It's never just something to, you know, nourish your body.
0: A hundred percent. And like as a teenager, when I moved here, like I stopped dancing and I stopped being the active child that I used to be. Now, looking back at it, I feel like I went to food as comfort and pleasure, um, is, it was a way for me to mm. find happiness. When I was around 15 years old, I fell deep into depression it was one of those moments where I used to, internet kind of came into our lives and I was able to see my friends in Brazil and like what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have that life here. Summers would come and I would just stay at home and like really not do anything.
1: Uh, your mom moved to the US for work?
0: Yeah, my parents My parents moved here. We moved here in 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of us came together with my mom, my dad, my sister and I. And they were like, let's try it, you know, and we just kind of came trying to, Give me and my sister a better future. And uh, initially it was like, let's stay two five years. Mm. It's been twenty four. Wow. So, <laughs> so as I grew up into being a teenager, and then in this depression that I had at fifteen years old, and I wanted to go back to Brazil, and I was just like begging my parents, I want to move back. I'll go live with my grandparents. And I think that's where kind of things escalated. And Mm. I was into guys, and guys weren't really into me. And I was like, why? And the body type was just so different, you know, from a Brazilian stereotype, let's say, versus an American stereotype of, like, body. And I would just say, oh, my God, they don't want me because I'm not this skinny blonde girl. It it was just – it was a super hard time in my life. And fast forward, you know, like, my life was just always – gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight. Until recently, about 3 years ago, um so we're talking about like 30 years old, 31 years old, was when I got to the heaviest that I've ever been. I travel a lot with my best friend and we're super close. We've been friends for like 17 years, and she's like a sister to me. And we went to Budapest and we were in this amazing bar and this amazing like new year's vacation you know and I was just so sad and she was like come on let's like party let's dance we're at this bar like this is a time of our lives and I was like I don't want to like I just kind of want to hide like nobody's coming to talk to me I don't want to talk to anybody. I was I was ashamed of my body I was ashamed of who I was and in my mind I thought that nobody wanted me nobody guys didn't want me people didn't want to be around me because of my body and, and that day she just it was one of those like come to Jesus moments where she just kind of threw all these truths at my face you know slapped that reality <laughs> well, we all need that friend right that friend that will tell things how they are and I was bawling oh. in this beautiful bar <laughs> in this ruins in Budapest and I'm like oh my god what's going on um but when I came back I decided that if I want to change and whatever change that was, if I wasn't happy with something, I needed to take ownership of that and I needed to make that change for me. I knew that my body was something that was always going to change, but at that point, I didn't understand that. I thought that being a fat person was a bad thing because that's what was ingrained in my brain ever since I was little. So I decided to Do things that I liked again. So I started dancing again. And there was this one day in this dance class. I was taking a stilettos dance class. And she did this exercise where I get emotional every time I think about it. Um, She said, I'm going to dim the lights. You're going to look in the mirror. And you're just going to look at yourself. You're going to look deep inside your own eyes. And I had never done that. I had never looked at myself. I had never talked to myself, only to put myself down. And that day I looked and I spoke to myself and I found this power. I found this, I don't know what to describe that I found inside of me. And that day was where everything changed. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make the life that I want for myself. So that day I decided I'm going to continue dancing. If I want to lose weight, if this is what I want right now, I'm going to do that the way that I think is best. So I looked for nutritionists. I looked for all the right professionals. At that time, I had also realized that my cholesterol was high. So that was the first like time that my health pinged me and said, "Whoa, my body's like, whoa, hold on. There's something going on here. So I started to work on that. For a good, like, five months at that point, August came around. And one day I went out randomly with my friend, with the same friend, and I saw this guy. And I was like, oh, he's cute. He's, look at him. And I swore that he had looked at me and I was like, I don't know, but I thought he smiled at me and this and that. And I told myself, I am not leaving this place without talking to this man. And I had never, never, ever talked to somebody. But I was feeling myself that day because I had learned to fall in love with myself again. And I found this way to find and talk to this I, I, man. I, I. <laughs> and here we are engaged today, three years later.
1: Oh my God, congratulations. <laughs> I, I yeah. just want to say something about, I think it's so beautiful what you said about that moment in a mirror. And it's something I deeply believe in that these moments of self-love, when we actually look very, very deeply inwards and learn to appreciate ourselves, I deeply believe that's God talking through us. Being here in this moment, in this podcast, and seeing all the work that you do, you can see that there is so much of goodness that came out of it, that it has to be a force of good. I deeply, deeply believe that because I think we all have those insights that they're so powerful. They're so powerful. And they always transform into something good. So yeah, I really appreciate you you shared that. And I hope it inspires our listeners to take the time to look at themselves and listen to their bodies and their whole beings. Look what happens. (laughs) You literally manifested your your (laughs) fiancé.
0: I 100% agree. And I think that I always tell people when I talk to them about this story of mine, and I tell them, like, this is an exercise that I encourage you to do look at yourself in the mirror, literally, look it in your eyes and talk to yourself. We don't take the time to do that enough. So, true. So, yeah. yeah, so that happened, and then he's amazing. And you know, my weight was never, never a subject in our relationship Great. ever,
1: as it should, by the way, as,
0: <laughs> as it should be. <laughs> It was it was so great. And I was like, wow, I've had so many assholes in my life. And I have this guy that actually cares about me and Mm. treats me really nice. And it was just very refreshing. But it was always like, I always had this feeling of like, it's too good to be true. It's gonna Mm. blow up in my face at any moment because of all the bad past experiences I had. But in the meantime, I continued taking care of myself. And COVID really hit me like as the pandemic really hit me. And I'm too much of an empath, and it was really, really hard on me. So I I was like, you know what? I'm going through this amazing self-love journey that I didn't even know was a thing, right? So I started changing my social media so I started unfollowing toxic people that I think didn't do didn't give me anything that I needed Mm -hmm. and I started following people that had similar bodies and similar mindsets that's when I met Alexandra uh she's from Movimento Corpo Livre in Brazil and I watched this Brazilian uh, news one day and she was on it she was talking about having your beach body any way your body is right at the beach
1: Right, everybody has a beach body,
0: by the way. <laughs> There's- exactly, everybody yeah. has a beach body at any moment. Yeah, you it just doesn't go matter to the if beach, it's summertime. You yeah, exactly. Just go to the beach. <laughs> so that's when I I came in touch for the first time, and I was like, "Wow, this is cool, dude! I love this journey that I'm on. Like, I want other women to feel the same. To plant a little seed in their brain, just to see." To feel, even if it's like one tenth of what I'm feeling, I want them to feel this. That's when the idea of creating the podcast came to me. Viva meu corpo, which means celebrate my body. So I created this community, and I always kind of lived in this bilingual world, mm. um, which is really hard at times. I'm sure you Can't can relate. You can attest this. <laughs> <to> this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you never know like which language you want to do things in, and. you want to connect with right um in 2021 my cholesterol was high so I started working with nutritionists and trying to uh get that under control doing everything that I could nutrition wise it didn't right I also my blood pressure started being high as well and I started taking medication for that and that really scared me because at 32 years old I did not want to be taking medication for high blood pressure I really started thinking about possibly doing bariatric surgery, which is weight loss surgery. And that was super hard for me.
1: I can imagine. Run me through the process of making that decision.
0: It was super hard because I was like, how was it that I was able to fall in love with myself Mm -hmm. at the heaviest weight that Mm -hmm. I've ever been and really love who I am and feeling so beautiful and wearing these amazing clothes and like just feeling good in my skin, but also wanting to change my body. And I was so worried about what other people would think. Because in Brazil, the people that I talk to, most people, I know people that literally have gained weight to try to get the surgery done so they just could be skinny. And I'm assuming
1: there is a lot of judgment, right? Because a lot of people would assume you're doing that because you hate your body, not because you love it, right? Exactly. So tell me a little bit about that decision. Did you just realize it would be better for your health or your mental health? How was that process?
0: So because of my health was at jeopardy at that point, and you know, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, I was already working out again, I was working out with my coach, I was doing nutrition, I was doing so many things, I was doing therapy and my weight wasn't going down. And now I had these health scares. And I tried, I tried for a good, like, year to do that naturally. And And, um,
1: just a parenthesis here, I think it's so important to talk about this, that a lot of people, when they see people with bigger bodies, they assume a certain behavior behind that body type. And yeah. everybody's different. 100%. It's not up to anybody to look at a person and assume anything because we're built
0: differently. Literally, I always say, like, being skinny does not signify that you're healthy, and being fat does not signify that you're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Literally, the only person that can judge is you and your doctor. You guys know what's going on as you're doing your exams. You know what's going on with your health. Mm -hmm. The way somebody is built, there's so many factors behind that. So Yeah, and it's really none of your business. Exactly. None of your business. Exactly. So it was a really hard process for me to really come to terms and decide this Mm -hmm. because I was against that surgery for a long time. I thought it was the easy way out. And I didn't want to feel like a failure because that's a little bit how I felt. And the day that I told my now fiance, he said to me, and I love him so much more for this, because this should be the way that anybody treats another person they're in a relationship with. He said to me, your weight was never a factor for me. I hope you know this from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And if you decide to do this, I'm on board with you. I'm here beside you and I'll support you no matter what your decision is. And that, to me, was so powerful because (laughs) I had had dealt with rejection so much, you know, and so many of those times because of my body that to hear somebody say that to me really meant it. And it shouldn't solidify, like, my decision, but also really helped me understand that I was one with the right person, (laughs) And to that, like, okay, I'll have support here of the people that I need to have support with. And I told myself, I'm going to start the process because it's a lengthy process. You got to get clearances and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to start the process because I know it's long, but I haven't made my decision. And I'll make my decision along the process. So I did. So for eight months, um, I worked with a nutritionist. I kept working out. I had two therapists. I had a therapist that would just help me with like all my life stuff. And then I had a therapist for behavior eating mm. because I said, if I do the surgery, it's not a miracle. I need to change how I love my relationship with food and exercise.
1: And what were some of the things that you wanted to change in terms of your relationship with food? How was your relationship with food at that time? And what bothered you about it?
0: I had a super toxic relationship with food. I had this moment where I lost 70 pounds on my own just by working out and eating. I was literally obsessed. I would be three hours in the gym, walking around with my gallon of water, and my grilled chicken, Mm -hmm. that same best friend that I told you about, one day I went to her birthday party, and she was like, oh, you're going to eat a piece of cake? And I was like, no, I'm not. I I have my chicken that I've been carrying out around for like eight hours now. She's like, Natalia, this is crazy but I needed to do what was right for me to do to be skinny because that was my mindset then. Mm.
1: Yeah. How did you feel during that time that you were working out so much and eating, you know, quote unquote, good foods only?
0: It's super interesting because I lost 70 pounds and my goal was mm. 90 pounds. I had a, a certain wh- number that I wanted to hit. And when I was 20 pounds away from that number, the scale wouldn't go down. Uh-huh. But mind you, I was working out like crazy. I was like, I was lifting. So, like, I didn't understand that my body could just change and I didn't need to worry about the number on the scale. Right. So, when I ch- kept trying and trying and that 20 pounds wouldn't come off, I was like, eh, forget this. And then I went the opposite end.
1: Uh, you went to the other extreme. That happened to me a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, all right, it's all this work for nothing. Might as well just do no work.
0: Exactly. Because the end goal was to be the skinny person that hit this number. Mm-hmm. And in my mind it was like, once I hit that, I will be happy. I will be thriving. Life will be oh, much such better. Such a myth.
1: And and it breaks <laughs> my heart because so many of us go for that because it's that myth that like, oh, you're skinny, you're happy. And then there's no in between like just loving our bodies in their natural state.
0: Exactly. Oh, and, which yeah. is so different from now because I started mm-hmm. my therapy way before doing surgery. So because I also knew that I was, one, I was scared that I was going to be obsessed with numbers. So that was a thing that I needed to treat. Uh, I had yeah. obsession with number on the scale, with counting calories. Anything number related was an issue for me. So I worked on that. And it's super interesting what you said about, you know, God speaking to us in certain ways because I felt like this happened to me as I was preparing for the surgery. I had to get clearance from the cardiologist. And when I went... This nurse was talking to me and she was like, oh, why are you here? And I said, oh, I'm getting clearance. And she was like, oh, I did this surgery about five years ago. And she was like, it worked really well. I lost like 140 pounds, blah, blah, blah. She's talking. She was like, but right now I have bariatric anorexia.
1: Wow! How wild! And That's, I didn't
0: know that was a thing. That
1: is wild. Yeah.
0: So pretty much is like you lose weight after uh, as you do your your surgery. Mm-hmm. She never moved on from like her initial diet. Like your food intake starts getting bigger, and she just stayed at the small portion because she was so scared of gaining weight. Yeah. So she was like, "I need. I'm twenty pounds underweight." what I should be Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm really struggling and working with my doctors that. So just like I'm letting you know because if you mention that you're obsessed with numbers I'm also obsessed with numbers so I just want to give you my experience
1: oh wow I deeply believe in science and i think there has to be one i don't know if that that's not a sign i don't know what it is it was so
0: <laughs> crazy like it was a random it was a random day at this random doctor i had never been to and
1: mm-hmm, this person mm-hmm.
0: that literally just had the surgery that i was about to do and had the same issues as me and i was like oh my god like if it, this isn't yeah. i don't know what this is you know what i mean like this is definitely a higher power here so after my surgery I was in a really well-prepared state, but I knew that my body was going to change really fast, and I needed to make sure that my mind was going to be changing along with it. So my entire life, I pretty much saw my body becoming bigger, but it was I don't really have a lot of memories of it becoming smaller. Mm. So now I was going to go through this moment where I was going to see my body in different stages. and. Because I think a lot of people that end up doing the surgery just wanted to -hmm. to be skinny and aesthetically pleasing, quote unquote, they don't really think about that, right? And I learned that my body's going to always change. Whether I am 32, when I'm 80, when I have kids, if I am sick, it's just always changing because that's what it's supposed to do but yeah
1: like that's the nature of reality like we change our bodies change throughout our lives we get bigger we get smaller we get older it's just what it is and by the way that makes me wonder you said that you saw your body getting bigger and bigger your whole life and then out of a sudden you saw your body getting smaller right after the surgery and I went through a similar process. So that's why I'm asking you this. Was there something surprisingly challenging about having a smaller body?
0: Yeah, I was talking to my therapist about this like a month ago and I told her, I was like, I was going to Brazil. I just went, came back from vacation and I was like, wow, I'm going to go to Brazil after three years and I'm going to see a lot of people that haven't seen me in this new body that I'm in. Mm. And I know because Brazilians have no filter, unfortunately. (gasps) And a lot of them just, they just say it, right? Yeah. And they really do think saying you're skinny is a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. So I was preparing myself for all that. And I was telling her how, like, I feel really pretty. And during this process, like right in the beginning, as I started to lose weight, I told her that I was feeling guilty of feeling pretty. Oh, interesting. She goes, why? And I was like, I don't want to think that I'm feeling pretty because I'm skinnier. Because that's not why. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's almost like body shaming your past self. I went for that. I know what that is. Yeah, that's so interesting. How did you deal with that?
0: Ah, a lot of therapy. But <laughs> I was I was <laughs> really just trying to understand and like live one day at mm-hmm. a time where like today I might feel great and tomorrow I might wake up feeling like crap and it's okay. That's just how it is.
1: Oh, that's the biggest realization. Exactly. Just being comfortable. In the uncertainty and being comfortable with not being okay. Exactly. And the interesting thing is that that's when we're actually okay. Not fighting against the feeling, right?
0: A hundred percent. I understood that I just am. This is Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. And my body is just a vessel that I'm in. The Natalia that exists is the Natalia that's inside of me. It's my aura. That's who I am. Like I would always get so offended when people say... Oh my God, you're so pretty now. And I'm like, what do you mean? Was I not pretty before? I get so offended because like, I'm still the same person. And I think I'm such a beautiful person. I have so much to share with the world.
1: But that's interesting. I think I I just had a thought here. Because we are so much more than our bodies, I think that's precisely the reason why it should be. And it is if, if you're connected to that deeper sense of self to love your body in whatever stage it is it could be in the quote-unquote standards of beauty like the ideal body or not but there shouldn't be a sense of guilt because you are more than that right but it's interesting that it's hard on both ways because even if you are in the standards sometimes there is a little bit of guilt because you're like no i'm being disrespectful to that person that i used to be whereas that makes zero sense because now you're, you have this other body and both bodies are great. And loving one doesn't mean hating the other, but yeah, that, that is such a difficult journey to.
0: Exactly. That, no, I think you put it in such a beautiful way because that's exactly it. And that's what I had to deal with. You know, I had to understand that the Natalia at 300 pounds is the same Natalia at 142 pounds? I was really scared that I was not gonna be able to carry the flags of the things that I believed in because I was no longer part of that community physically. Yeah. As you look at me, people yeah. that just will see me today at like they will see a Natalia skinny Natalia, right? But I, that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop fighting for equal opportunities for every single body out there and that we should have chairs that fit every single body. And, mm-hmm. you know, everything that I fought for, still strive for every single day. So it, it was really hard for me to understand that and to understand that now I can also vouch for other flags and other, you know, communities and tribes Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. you're a new person. Uh, yeah, that's what happens, right? Like as we get older, we change. And we, we evolve.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think it's similar to when you just kind of like... People think that once you make a decision, you're not allowed to change your point of view.
1: <laughs> you know? That would be tragic. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me a little bit, uh, what flags do you think you added to that repertoire?
0: I always say like you have to wear the the outfit not let the outfit wear you because that's when your true power comes out and like you wear the the hell out of that outfit i wear some crazy outfits sometimes people are just like only you can pull that off i'm like yeah it's because i can pull it off like me it's natalia i'm not letting the outfit wear me and i've always felt like that right so when i had to give away my entire mm-hmm. wardrobe oh I was, man like, lost weight <laughs> it was very hard it was very hard <laughs> had a lot of good clothes. (laughs) I gave it to one specific friend and she is kind of going through this journey. I would show her, I'm like, listen, I know that a lot of times being an overweight person, we kind of want to hide behind the clothes. But what I learned was that I just need to show what I think is beautiful in me. And it doesn't matter what your body looks like. We're always going to not like something yeah. in our bodies. Yeah. Okay? And that's that's the truth, guys.
1: And that's okay. Yeah. So,
0: and that's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you won't like your arms or your legs or whatever. It doesn't matter. There're going to be attributes that you love. So, why not show those off and really get empowered by that? So, I gave her my mm-hmm. entire wardrobe and she was trying on these new clothes that were so out of her comfort zone. And she's like, wow, I would have never thought about wearing this, right? And I was like, exactly. And then I would show her and I would hmm. go through this entire process of inspiring and motivating her and saying all of these self-love hmm. mantras, I guess, if you'd say. It would just feel so good. So I'm thinking of working on something with that sense yeah. of how can I make women find their true selves and fall in love with themselves. Because I feel like with our crazy lives that we live and we get labeled as so much and sometimes we forget about us, our individuality. And I wanna make sure that people find that again, that women find that in themselves and they can show it off, you know, and re-fall in love with themselves, so.
1: That's beautiful, I love that. I hope you, you get to do it and I get to maybe somehow be a part of it, get some new clothes.
0: (laughs) Uh, Uh, Yeah. um,
1: What advice do you think you would give to somebody who is considering bariatric surgery? So I'm sure you would mention the numbers thing that we talked about, but is there something else you think you learn in this journey that's very important and not very talked about?
0: Yeah, I think it's incredibly important, again, to do therapy. Unfortunately, one of the clearances that you need is you need to get psychological clearance, but it's literally one hour that you meet with a psychologist and they'll say if you're apt to do or not. And I think that's such a disservice. You need to get to know somebody and you need to understand their journey and need to understand their past to see what is actually wrong with them and what they need to change in order for the surgery to work the way that it should work. Because after two years, about 80% of patients gain their weight back. So, and, and that really comes from not having the mental health be uh, on the same stream as the physical. So I would say if you're thinking about it, please reach out to me. I'm happy to talk about this with anybody that's interested. I love to share my, my entire process. Work on your relationship with food and exercise because these two things are something that you will need to live with for the rest of your life. And this is, if you do surgery and not do surgery, and we can talk about exercise, about that whole relationship and how we somehow go from having so much fun as a child and playing and Mm, having so much fun, and then something happens in our teenage years there, especially women where it just becomes a chore, it becomes torture, and we don't want to do it. Yeah, it becomes punishment. Uh, That's, that's my two cents. Definitely invest in therapy.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm curious, as your body changed after the surgery, and your relationship with food also changed sounds like, is there anything you learned in your relationship with food after the surgery?
0: One thing that I realized was that I wasn't having a lot of pleasures in my life mm. and in my daily life, you know, little pleasures throughout the day, whatever that was. And after a stressful day of working, I would look for that pleasure in food because it would give oh, me that's that. So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would give me that moment of happiness. Oh, I need to eat something comforting. I need to eat something that's going to soothe my soul. And sure, we can do that from time to time. But if we do it every single day, your health is gonna come knocking on your door. So I started paying attention to my day and understanding, hmm, do I have pleasures throughout the day? Right. Is it taking five minutes to mm. listen to my favorite yeah. song and dance in front of the mirror? Is it taking a walk outside? Is it having actually taking 30 minutes from lunch? for lunch and sitting down listening to my favorite podcast as I just focus on what I'm eating what is lacking in my life on my day-to-day that I'm looking for it in food as an outlet the food's good I think is going to give me but ends up not giving me
1: oh that's so true and I think oh man as women I think we have such a hard time understanding that our pleasure is important and like that joy like we deserve it we don't need to earn it it's not like enjoying food is wrong it's just like how much you do it and is it actually coming from a good place or is it coming from hating yourself and punishing yourself or trying to escape your life um i was talking with a friend recently who's talked about this she's a nutritionist and she says people come to me thinking that i'm gonna fix their eating habits, like I can't, it's really the person Mm -hmm. has to do it, same thing with therapy, your therapies will help you figure out what it is that you're feeling, but they cannot change you,
0: yeah, nobody
1: can change you, we
0: we have to do the work, exactly, Um, I think that's, I think that's the one thing that I do the most now. I think I listen to my body. Mm-hmm. I am in constant conversation with myself now internally. It's so crazy. Mm. And I remember this one day. It was before my surgery, but I was already doing therapy. So it was one this exercise that I brought with me. And I was like, hmm. I went to the kitchen, and there was a piece of cake. There was like cake, and there were oranges. And I was like, mm, that cake looks good, right? And then I stopped, and I was like, All right, body, Mm -hmm. what is it that you're looking at right now and you're actually craving that you actually want and you're telling me and I'm not listening to you? And I went for the orange, you know, so it's once we actually stop and listen and not just go with our head and, you know, don't just like don't go to a supermarket when you're hungry. Don't listen to your body. Your body will tell you what it needs if it needs rest. Like yesterday, I woke up in such a good mood. I worked out and I have an hour between my workout and my and starting work. And my body was just telling me, Natalia, you need to declutter your space so you Mm -hmm. can have a good day. Mm -hmm. So I started putting clothes away. I started like just doing things to declutter my space. And then after I did that, I was like, I feel so much better. Now I can start my day. And I just I was in a happy mood for the rest of the day because I just listened to myself Uh, last year. I went on a summer vacation to a place where I used to go a lot as a kid with my parents. And I hadn't gone in a long time. And I went with my fiance and some of my friends, you know, because I was in this new body and I'm like have this all all this energy now that I didn't have before. And I'm like going on roller coasters and all these things. I felt like a kid again. So I felt like the Natalia that used to go there during the summer as a kid. I was still in different phases of my diet. So, you know, I was reintroducing some foods at certain points. And there was this ice cream cone that I was like, all right, I I want that. But I was fighting that a lot, right? So I was like, I can't have that. I can't. Mm-hmm. Even though I was already allowed to have it, I was telling myself I couldn't have it. So I told myself, all right, on the last day, if I'm still craving it, I'm going to have it. And I was still craving it. For some reason, something happened. I didn't have it. I came mm-hmm. home. I talked in therapy about this damn ice cream. And she was like, why didn't you have it? You should have had it. Because... That was a food that was related to all these memories, and it was just gonna close this gap. And you, it's not you wanted ice cream; you yeah. wanted this specific ice cream cone. So things like that, and sometimes I want chocolate, and I'm like, but, and I stop, and I'm like, do you want it? Is it just? Do you just want it? Are you feeling anxious? Is there something else going on? And then I figure it out. Like right before I went to Brazil, I was feeling super anxious, and there were days where I knew it was anxiety and I wanted that piece mm. of chocolate. And I was like, you know what? Today I'm going to give in. And I give in. Yeah. And I had that one piece of chocolate and I would be okay. And then I would just move on with my life. But it yeah. took me so long to get here. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that the the key is not feeling guilty. And I yeah. really deeply believe that if you're not feeling guilty about any food-related issues, you really make better decisions. Yeah. Like Because even if you eat you know, something that quote, unquote, is out of your plan, you know, yeah. here and there, like, who cares? Life is so short. Exactly.
0: We need <laughs> but to the eat thing is, routing. if you feel guilty, yeah.
1: exactly. But then if you're guilty, that escalates because then your self-image starts to get attached yeah. to that person who ate something bad. And then that thing like starts to build up and, and you just your self-image starts to like, get worse. It's so interesting how like if we just accept and sometimes that means like actually eating the quote-unquote bad foods we get healthier percent! literally like we get yeah in in every single aspect of our health
0: yeah because sometimes you you do just need it you your soul needs it and sometimes you just need to have it that's it eat that brownie girl (laughs) eat that brownie don't feel guilty especially if
1: you're around your friends yes yes i always say like it's a food is also social right like if you are in a special occasion especially like don't You know, life is too short. You have to enjoy the little things.
0: It's so funny that you mentioned that because once I started becoming more flexible post-surgery, I had a really hard time going back to restaurants because it wasn't enjoyable anymore. And because before I'd be like, oh, what do you want to eat? And then I would look at the menu like, oh, this sounds so good. And I want to go to this place because of this food. And now I don't really have that. Mm. It's like, I'll find something to eat anywhere I go, but it's not because of the food itself. So going to places was just like so blah. And then let's look at it in a different point of view. When you're going to a restaurant, are you just going for the food? Or are you going because of the company? Mm -hmm. Are you looking for the place that you're going to? The experience. yeah. The experience. So now I go way more for the experience. So I choose the restaurant I look at the pictures. I'm like, this looks really cool. So I wanna I really thoroughly enjoy the experience now instead of just going for the food.
1: I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Let's talk about social media a little bit, because I've heard you say that you had to change your relationship with social media. And I'll love to hear what your biggest tips are on on how to Interact in the social media world. And I think today we have our phones with us all the time. It's so central in our health and wellness. So tell me a little bit about your biggest tips on social media.
0: Yeah, so one thing I would say: girls, detox at social media. Go on that purge and just stop following people that you're looking at for some kind of very toxic (laughs) aspiration that you're looking at this person and because I, I have this moment sometimes where I'm just like scrolling through things if I'm just going random. And I'm like, oh my God, 30 minutes looking, and I want this. There's something wrong with my nose. There's something wrong with my hair. And it's like, it's so, so crazy how in 30 minutes your whole world, world can change.
1: I love one thing that you said that even if you're feeling good about something about yourself, like say you love your nose, like you generally love your nose, you start looking at all these other noses and you're suddenly, you're like questioning yeah. if your nose is actually yeah. beautiful. And it's so interesting that it's a very universal like experience.
0: Oh, so 100%. It was a whole attention. fight. I was like, I was, I was thinking about getting Botox and it was a whole fight internally because I'm like, but I like my face. Am I going to get it? Am I getting it because other people, I see it on other people, or is it because I want it? So it was a whole thing yeah. that I went through as well. I ended up getting it because it's something I really wanted. So mm. yes, I do get your Botox too, if that's what you want. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting enough because right before the surgery too, I started following people that had done the surgery. And after the surgery, I stopped following those people because I caught myself comparing my journey with theirs as well. We're always comparing, no matter what stage in life we're in, we're always comparing. And social media, unfortunately, is the worst place for that. But I would just say, do a purge and trust the process and trust the phase that you're currently in. Yeah. I started following people that I really liked. And then now maybe there are certain people I'm like, uh, oh, it's not doing it for me anymore. And then I stopped following them and then I find somebody else just like our bodies and just how our lives is that we're ever evolving, so is our social media and so is um, our feed and who we're following. So don't be afraid of just muting or unfollowing people and just finding that moment that you're in.
1: Right. That's so important. What does wellness mean to you?
0: So I think I just came across that answer very recently and it came with making peace with my workouts and not seeing it as a torture. It's not every day that I do it for the love of my body, guys. It's not every day that I wake up and I'm like, oh, yes, I'm going to work out and I love working out. There are days that I hate it, but I still show up because when I get to go on my trips now, I can go and I can explore and my feet are not hurting and I have the energy to... See this entire world and to hug the people that I love, and to just really, really love this body that I am in because it gives me the power to do such beautiful things in life. And now I understand that all stems from taking care of it every single day, and that includes my workouts. So I do those things that sometimes could be painful every single day because they're so rewarding for my wellness of every day like the peak of my happiness is when I remind myself this is why I do it so that's wellness to me it's just being in peace and comfortable in my skin and taking care of this body that took care of me up to here and is going to keep taking care of me until the last day of this earth
1: And that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope it resonated with you. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. That is the best way to support PodHer. Please give us 5 stars, follow us on Instagram at PodHer and subscribe. Beijos and I'll see you next week.